0: Hey, welcome to another edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with my Laker teammates and NBA legends throughout the league. But today, I'm solo. Just when you thought it was safe to come back outside or get back on your podcast, here come that man, okay? Uh, hi, Ari, how are you?
1: I'm good, man. Uh, no NBA legend here, but it's, uh, it's fun to, to hear your insights into the world. And, and it's funny too, Coop, because we've got The NBA finals played out right now, and there's a lot of 80s, 90s NBA talk in these finals that's been going on, and a lot of it's involved our buddy Cornbread, Cedric Maxwell, but uh, some of it even involves you, buddy.
0: Well, first of all, let's just uh, talk a little bit about, there hasn't been a repeat champion since we last did it, and uh, so people got a long way to go. (laughs) Whoa, 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 MJ. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. The other Michael. <laughs> I thought I could slip that with Bayou Ari and our listeners, but you know what? They are so versed in the history of the NBA, unlike uh, uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, we'll talk about that as we get later into the show. But again, uh, got a great series going the Boston Celtics versus the Warriors. You know what? I had picked the Warriors to win this in seven games at the beginning, and it looks like it's going that route. But if the Warriors don't get their act together this next game and they go, they, they get down 3-1. And I really, really, really hate to say this. You might see the Celtics as champions. And that really bothers me. Well, too. it should. Because then they'd have more championships all the time than the Lakers. Of course. And that's, that's. But you know what? We're going to rectify that. And again, another topic we're going to cover is the Lakers hiring of Darvin Ham. We'll get into that in another segment in a minute. But yes, that bothers me. And that would, that would uh, cause for many sleepless nights for me. Really, really would. So I'm curious,
1: how would you, like, they basically play two games a week in the finals. It seems like they play game one and then. Softies, softies fucking soft. Eat I mean, real men and play every other day. <laughs> That's I'm. Tr- I'm trying to think back to when you played. Like that's how it was, right? Every other day, right? Oh, every other day. Other than
0: when you, because uh, our format, well, we did go two, two, one, 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 but then we changed and we went two, three, two. And when we went to that format, you're playing every other day, and you know, getting it on and playing against the best. And uh, but you know, if that's the NBA today. Not going to cry about it or talk about it too much because you know what these young men are are playing under the circumstances that are handed toward them. So, do you think I think it impacts.
1: Do you think it imp- like, can you carry over momentum from one win when you're playing every other day, as opposed to like, you know, playing one game today and then playing another game in August? <laughs> uh, you can carry it over better
0: playing every other day. But again, the thing about these guys is that it's amazing how. Uh, that you know, with home court advantage, we we that was a that was a prize. That was a golden egg. I mean, we we made sure that we got our two games at home. Now there were cases in series that we lost one, but these guys are doing it every series. But you got to give them a, a lot of kudos because even though like the Warriors lost the first game at home, they bounced back, win the second game. And I'm looking at the scenario the same way here. Boston wins this game. I do see the. I thought the Warriors would win this one. And then Boston would win the second one, but I think the Warriors will come back and win the second game. So momentum is really big in the playoffs, especially in a championship series like you have here. And uh, the one thing I love about uh, this particular series is that a lot of coaching is going on. Coach Udoko is coaching his team, man, and Kerr is coaching his. I mean, He's finding out he has to coach a little more than in the past because he just kind of like sit and let the team do it. Well, Draymond Green's not having a good series. Uh, struggling offensively. And again, if you go back to the days when the Warriors won the championship, he was at least bringing in eight to 10 points a game. Now he's not bringing in anything. And I think that's why they're struggling, especially with Klay Thompson struggling. But momentum is big. And I I look for the Warriors to bounce back.
1: All right. So one area that the 80s and 90s NBA has come up is um, what's happened here between our buddy, Cedric Cornbread-Maxwell and Draymond Green. So Cedric was on the post-game show on CLNS Media um, with, with all of our guys, and, and he said about Draymond Green that that bleep Draymond was doing during the 80s, he got knocked the F out. He would have gotten knocked the F out is what, is what Cedric Maxwell said. Um, so let's start there. Could Draymond play in the 80s? First of
0: all, Draymond could have played in the 80s because he's that type of player. And I right. do believe the way he's playing now would have fitted well there. Yeah, he might have got knocked the F out, but he would have been there in the mix. Uh, again, he might have been doing some knocking out. But you know what? Uh, as a player, you kind of find out what your niche is. And his niche with the Golden State Warriors has always been that tough guy, that uh, bruiser, ball, brawler. Uh, if he did anything on the court obviously he's a rebound and assist man but if he got any points on the court that was just a plus for what he's doing so all he's doing is reverting to what he does well and it's not sitting well because you know what And i never thought i would say well yeah i would say this that boston's a uh physical team and they're a bruising team and they're flat out fucking dirty team uh but these guys here smart is the leader for that team and he doesn't back down from anything so again what Draymond is doing is not sitting well because Boston is suited for that
1: yeah so here is um here's how Draymond responded um and this is just just one part of it but here's how Draymond responded after seeing the video of Cedric Maxwell
2: huge appreciation for those guys I saw (laughs) I saw what Cedric Maxwell said and you know what one thing that baffles me about the 80s or the 90s or whatever you want to call it, when basketball was so much more physical. is some of the guys that be talking weren't the guys that was punching people.
1: Like,
2: <laughs> like they, they, they act like, you know, guys was just walking around the court, like, I'm hitting I'm hit this guy to the nose. There were a few guys back then that would lay you out, that would knock you out, that would foul you and get thrown out the game, Bill Lambert, Rick Mahorn. But everybody running around acting like they were that. Y'all were getting bullied. Like, <laughs> like. And so it baffles me when every guy, just because they played in the 80s, uh, just because they played in the 90s, is like, man, if you played in our day, you get knocked out. Like, no, nah, not really, because it wouldn't be you. So, okay, you saying Rick Mahorn would have knocked me out. Rick Mahorn probably knocked you out. Like, Bill Lambert probably lays you out. So were there enforcers of that time? Of course. Would they have knocked you out? Of course. Their fine was also two dollars. Like, you know, it's just not the same day and age. If I go knock somebody out, I probably get fined a million dollars. Like it's just it just don't work the same. And so, you know, when guys get to making these comparisons or talking about, oh, if you played in this day and age, like, yeah.
0: Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season futures. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, real-time updates, odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up at your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Before the next pitch, head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50, CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, CLNS50. Fifty bet online where the game starts.
2: And if you played in this day and age, you would have had to be way more skilled than you were, and it's, it's it's just different. What do you think, Coop? And if you played in this day and age, you would have had to be way more skilled than you were, and it's it's, it's just different.
1: What do you think, Coop?
0: I agree with him a little bit, you know, because there were guys like Cedric Max, who who the, the fuck he gonna knock out? He wasn't knocking nobody out because he wanted to stay in the game. He was bitching when he got old and couldn't play. So how you gonna get all, all, all nasty, nasty now and talk about well, you know, it was physical back in the day, but again, he he wasn't the one that knocked you out. But now Cedric was a good player. I mean, I thought he when you're limited skill-wise, you revert to other tactics to help you stay in the game. And Cedric was a physical player, a dirty player in a sense. But again, I, I do believe, uh, again, our fines were low. But again, these guys that are making money today right. got to credit us for that because, again, we instill that gritty, that toughness in order for them to make the kind of money they're making today. But still, it's about just uh, uh, holding your ground in the eighties. And uh, so I know he wasn't talking about me because I was willing to fight anybody. I fought a lot of people. Draymond yeah. wasn't talking about me. Uh, you know, there are guys that had more bark than bite. I wasn't one of them, but again, you got to great mind standing up for himself and for his team and for his error. Do you, uh, yeah.
1: do you agree though, the idea of like what he said at the end there in terms of like, well, players are more skilled now I don't
0: I don't think they're more skilled. Well, a little bit. I, I'll agree with him a little. I think players are better ball handlers all around. Uh, you look at OLMB, I'm pretty sure he's a he, – uh, Kareem could handle the ball. Bob Lanier could handle the ball, but not the way this guy could handle the ball. So bigs are more skilled. Uh, they're more perimeter-oriented now in today's game. And I, I do believe that. But I think our guys were skilled then. Uh, Wes Unsell was probably one of the most skilled big men because, again, when we played, championships were won in the paint, not in the three-point line. So you had to have post moves, drop steps, going to the basket as a big little jump hook, right or left, little fallaway shot. Elvin Hayes was the master of that little uh, eight-, nine-foot fallaway shot. So him being more – saying more skilled – I think means different to today's players as far as ball handling goes, but more skilled of just that we weren't skilled basketball players, none of them in the 80s, he's wrong in that aspect.
1: Yeah, you, you and I I mean, I'm 36, Coop, and so I straddle the nineties, you know, nineties and modern basketball. I I I mean, I look, I love the game. I love the game of basketball and always have and always will, but I don't just comparatively. The, the pace and space part of the game today, it's just, I don't know, I, and maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment. It's just not as fun to watch. I, I don't know. It, well, it's, it all seems- about,
0: it's, it's all about one-on-one basketball. When we played, and I look at these, we had cross-picks, down-picks, up-picks. Uh, up uh, we, we ran an option in our offense. We executed the option in the offense. I don't see much of that going on right. now, but when teams do do it, uh and even the little things that, that Golden State do where Curry will just be running around then he'll get a down pick. That's basic basketball. That's like basketball 101. That's like the old pick and roll that Kuzi and, and Russell used to run. That's it. But these guys don't do that. Uh For us, our play was fist up and it was a cross pick or a down pick for Kareem. Little things like that allow, get, allows your best player to get in a position to where he can score an easy basket. That's what you don't see now. But then that comes with the influx of european players coming over here dino Raja, uh vlade divas tony kukoc guys that were skilled over there come here then they realize how physical the nba truly is because you're just not running through the key and like it's a happy sunday no you run through the key and you're looking to see who's gonna hit you the ball is the second thing you know you look to see if you're not gonna get hit then if you catch the basketball then it goes so I think they go together, but what you see is the transition of NBA basketball to Europe basketball is going the other way. It's international basketball to the NBA. That's why the courts are a little bit more spread. Bigs are shooting more threes than ever before.
1: All right, so Cedric Maxwell being who he is, he's got to get the last word in, right? So he was on ESPN's pregame coverage last night. Here's what he had to say in reference to Draymond.
3: I see Draymond behind me. Okay, <laughs> but don't act like it wouldn't been in the '80s. He would have been knocked out. <laughs> come on, hey, oh, on said. Stop that, said. Hey, hey,
2: I, I watched y'all team and played against y'all team, and I, I'm gonna tell you, like on the real, they had about five, six guys on yeah. y'all team yeah. that would knock you out, and you was one of them, right? Well, I, I think That's also, Cedric, would you say at this era? I mean, uh, we're talking comparison era. Two things <laughs> that I would add. One. It's kind of like hockey. There's about three guys on a team that does that job. There's no, there's no, there's no job for that in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. So there were jobs. Like you come in, you got to be physical. Yeah. That's your only job is to be physical. Well,
3: let me tell you the part that insulted me, and this was, and I talked to Draymond and anybody else. Uh, they talked about Draymond said, well, if you got thrown out of a game during that time, you only could pay two dollars. Well, you know what? That's an insult to anybody who played with me at, at that particular time because we stood on the shoulder of giants. Yeah. And yeah. the reason he's making $30 million, he got on my shoulders and somebody else's shoulders. Yeah. And you don't be disrespectful. I'm going to quote a famous Chinese philosopher here, Kevin Garnett. Oh, wow. What Kevin Garnett yeah. said. I didn't even know he was Chinese. Well, well, you know it now. What Kevin <laughs> Garnett said was respect these years. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say this. When you look at, at things you talk about, I'll say this. There's only been 32 finals MVPs. And damn it, I'm one (laughs) of (laughs)
0: them. Go ahead. Uh, Cornbread? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? He he makes a a great point. And I think Draymond Green uh, is a little wrong with that because, yeah, there were players that were considered uh, guys that come in and just foul. What Draymond Green don't realize is he's one of those guys. He's just a starter, you know. That's his job is to come in. It's a great and point. Pop he score. He'll rebound a little bit and he'll kick some assists. He'll throw the ball away. But if you're a true scorer like Curry and Thompson, no, you can't be that player. So that's what he is, is what he talked about. Those three guys in the NBA. It's just that you're a starter and
1: that's you. And that was the NBA TV, not on um on on ESPN, but it was funny. Isaiah Thomas, like you could tell. Zeke doesn't hold back on stuff like that. Yeah, he's yeah, there were like four or five guys at your team that would <laughs> try to <laughs> knock us out. And this is like the bad boys. What are you like? What are you talking about, Zeke? Exactly. <laughs> what is
0: Zeke talking about? He had six or seven of them, you know. Uh, uh uh John Sally, who was weak as shit, and it was one of them. Love John Sally, though. a person <laughs> you had Dennis Robin, who was crazy as one of them. You had Rick Mahorn, who was fat as one of them, you had Bill Lambert, who was slow as one of them. Uh Benny Johnson would tackle your ass too while he's shooting the ball. That's what made it so bad. This fucking guy's physical and he got the ball. He's shooting it, jumping in your face. Then you had the uh, uh James Edwards coming off the bench. Who was what, what is he talking about, man? But anyway, uh that you know what you gotta love that era. You love, I mean, I love that kind of play. Basketball would it would be. Foreign to me the way they play now, the ability to just run around and not get hurt. And if you do get hurt, now they got a replay, to look at it, make sure the guy hurts you and kick you out of the game after the play is over with. Yeah. You know, that's a play where the referees eyeball it, see it, call it, let's move on. So, uh you know, I, again, but it's, it's basketball is a joy. I still watch it either way, I love it either way, and it, it's fun. All right, let me let me say something, you know, again about the Boston Celtics because again, this is a franchise that is known for what um, um, uh, dirty tactics, okay? Uh, unusual, to say the least. unusual things that go on. Uh, like I told you, when we used to play there in the winter time, we come and it'd be like twenty degrees outside. We get in our locker room, the air conditioner's on, the windows are wide open and it's probably about maybe 10 9 degrees in our locker room. So now we had to hurry up get dressed because it doesn't help to cut the air conditioner off and close the windows cuz it's freezing cold in there, you know. There's icicles hanging from our locker locker. So you got to get dressed, get outside and warm up because that's where it was warmer out there, okay? Then in the summertime we're planning for the championship And it's probably 90 plus in L.A. And there was a heat game in 1984, they call it, where we had to have oxygen. But we get into our locker room that the heat has come on to 100 degrees and they got the windows closed and taped so no air could get in there. So now you overheated in your locker room before you even get outside. So you have to go out to the arena to kind of cool down. Well, the Celtics the are back to their shenanigans again, yeah, they even are. today. You know, uh, this game here, they go there, and what? The rim at the it, that Golden State Warriors end is, what, two inches high? Higher than the other end.
1: Ten feet, what two fuck inches. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. When Would you notice that? It's crazy. Oh,
0: yeah, so, for sure. Shooters notice every little thing wrong with that. Everything wrong with the basket. So, so,
1: yeah, Gary Payton's son was the one that pointed out like the rim, I think, is a little bit higher, and they measured it. And sure enough, it was, all right, seriously, you don't think that the that, that Celtics did that on purpose? 100% they did. Yeah. I've never heard of that ever happening. Uh, you know, how many basketball ever games happened. they play? They, I've never heard of a basket not being measured correctly. And for an NBA finals, game, finals. And it's your first game at that place. They're going to make sure
0: everything is perfect in there. And, and here you are with that again. And uh, it's a leprechaun. Okay. I'm going to blame it on that little guy. And what happens? They win the game. That's all they want to do. They distract, deflect at the garden, in the garden, around the garden, and it works for them. Did they pull the?
1: Didn't they pull the fire alarm
0: in you guys at the hotel? Oh, that was uh, they did that, but that was more so in Philadelphia when they knew they couldn't beat us. They, the smoke alarm <laughs> goes off four times in one night. I, I, all right, seriously, went off at nine o'clock because that's when you're just about to go to sleep. Guys are laying down. Went off at ten ten. It went off at twelve thirty, and it goes off again at two thirty. Now the last one went off real loud. They had people crawling outside their window to the fire escape. We stand on the fire escape, man, to get, because they had us up on like the 19th floor or something like that. Incredible what teams would do. Now in LA, we don't do that because you know what? We let you sleep real good. We let you eat real good. We want you to be
1: at your best when we kick your ass out on the floor. (laughs) And I love the playoffs. And last night, you got your name was brought up as well. So Tatum has a spectacular game. He's being interviewed on the court by Lisa Salters from ESPN here. Take a listen.
3: You Marcus and Jalen, the first trio to go 20 and five in a finals game since 1984. When Kareem magic and Michael Cooper did it. What do you think about that company?
2: Uh, I was born in 98. So that was way before my time, but uh, you know, that's a great company to be in, you know, uh, you know, watch film build off this you know don't get too happy and you know
1: Coop what what, I mean the kid like I hate to be like the old guy like the kids he's like I know you were born 98 but do you have any sense of history like it's I don't think think he does
0: I think he's in the moment that's what he's about right now and I think this will become more um awareful to him if that's a word uh, when he's out of the league and he looks back and people start doing the things that he did that we were doing, uh, that boy better recognize, man, you better ask your mama and daddy and maybe your grandparents about what was going on back then. Cause we was kicking ass and to have that kind of record and to be part of that three headed monster. With, with I think she said, 20 and five, 20 and five. Yeah, that means you're in the playoffs. You're in the game. You're in finals all the time. So for them to do it, <laughs> their, their uh, first time here in the finals. That's, that's a lot saying to him. So did you even know that that was a thing? No, I didn't. But I knew we had played a lot of games together. I knew we had played a lot of playoff games together. That was only in 84. So we there's still some other things right. we did. I think uh, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and Ginobili uh, got our other one for the most uh, wins or games played or something like that later on. But uh, you know what, Jason Tatum, I really like him. I like, I kind of like him as a young man, too, because, you know, uh, I don't like his son on the court before the game. But if that's what helps him get uh, um, focused for focused. a game, yeah. yeah. But a uh, great player. And, um, you know, he goes in and out, but still a talented young man. Better
1: recognize. That's, that's what the young people or say. Or nine, 98. I was born in 85. I still have, I like... You know about the revolutionary war you know about the Civil War, like there are a lot of things that happened before you were alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what hey, go back in the history books, but
0: he'll he'll i think he'll realize the statements probably later on in his career, especially at the end that 's when you start realizing, oh wow, I was with a group of trio that was pretty good before us, so that's again, when it's time that's, to that's smell the one roses. thing. I want to say about this Warriors team, the reason why they're winning and in this series is because they got a very good three-headed monster in uh, Brown himself and Smart. Those three guys, you know, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Marcus Smart when he first came into the league. But as the game started being played and I watched the Celtics every now and then, I started seeing that he was the really focal point. And you would think that it would be Tatum or Brown that would assume his, his role. But he's done it and done it at another level. Congratulations to him this year being Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, one thing I don't like about that, and then the announcers keep saying that, is that he's the only – he's the second guard to ever win that. Gary Payton's the first – well, what the fuck was I? I yeah. was a – what? I was a – what? Um, Four? Oh, okay. I guess I was a six-man <laughs> – yeah, no, it's a good no, I was a guard. I was yeah, a guard I when I won that <laughs> day seven. So I may have to put up a, a more of a protest in that area on that. But uh no, he ain't the second one. Actually, he's not the first one. I'm the first, Payton's is the second, and then he's the third guard
1: to ever win this award. <laughs> MJ never won I would have thought Jordan would have won Defensive Player of the Year once or twice. No, that's true, but I mean what do they see us as? Forwards? I don't know.
0: I mean, we're we're guard forwards, you know, but I think what they should say to clarify that to really get hone in on what they're talking about is he's the second point guard to ever win it because Peyton was a point guard, right? This guy's a point guard because you can't say
1: the second guard because I won it, Jordan won it, you know. So I guess if you can guard one through five, you're not a guard anymore. I suppose. Yes, I not. Well, I guess not. But uh, anyway, you see yourself, There's some. There's some Michael Cooper and Marcus Smart, isn't there?
0: Oh, yeah, that toughness, uh, that that physicality part of being up and in people, uh, being able to take on any co- competitor that's out there. He moves from – because Boston do a lot of switching on that perimeter. He moves from Steph Curry to Klay Thompson to Draymond Green. And Draymond is considered a five in, in the league. And he, I've seen him guard Looney, Looney on switches. So, uh, yeah, I, I see a little similarities in me. Um he might be, and I really, really have to look at, at real closely if there's a better three-point shooter than me, but uh I don't know about all that. He can't so block I, shots, and that's one thing I could do,
1: block shots. I was just looking at I was trying as you were saying that I was trying to pull up his offensive stats. And I mean, is he a better offensive player, three-point shooter? I mean, maybe, but he's also getting like in his career, like he took five. Five three pointers this season on average per game. Five point one per game. Y- year before that, five point nine per game. Six point six in nineteen twenty. So, I mean that that's half as many threes as you took, you know, in, in most games. Um, so, you know, maybe may more opportunities there, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, that's part of the game, right? Uh, in in right.
0: today's games, that's you've got to be able to shoot threes uh, unless you're truly, truly a big. Uh, like Looney, you don't never see him again. It depends on what team you're on and what your offense look like. And uh, so, yeah, but uh, uh, Smart is a very good player, and again, uh, one player that I would tip my hat to on the defensive end because he gets after people, not afraid to get in there and take charges on anybody. So, um, let's talk a little bit about the Warriors.
1: Why are they struggling so much to you, Ari? Well, um, I mean, Clay Thompson, you know, he. he at times, you know, he can get hot and, and carry you, but then, you know, when you're designing shots and getting him open looks, you know, and he's missing, that's tough. Um, You know, I know, I mean, Steph had two points in the fourth quarter. So I don't know if the ankle was bothering him or what, and obviously that's something he's always had to overcome. Go sit Um, down then. So, I I mean, that's, I mean, when when you're not getting consistent scoring from clay or and and Steph's hurting and only has two points in the fourth quarter, they're just not going to win very often when that happens. And you got to look at going back to what we've been talking about. Draymond
0: Green's not giving them anything on the offensive end. This guy's missing layups. So again, uh, I I agree with you. I think uh, Boston's uh, uh, role player Defensively.
1: Do you think that they're doing anything defensively to them that are causing some of these issues? Boston? Boston doing to the Warriors. Yeah. I think they're up and in them. You notice they're up and in
0: them and they're making them have to move around. They're making Clay Thompson and Curry move even faster. But this is the other thing, Ari. I think uh, Boston's role players are making a bigger contribution. Uh, Williams third, White, Horford, Pritchard, Williams is a stud. Robert Williams McMahon. is a stud. And just imagine if that kid wasn't hurt. I mean, he's playing on at least right. an 80% body, you know, with his knee injury. Just get him healthy next year. They're going to be an interesting force. I don't think they'll win it again next year, but that's neither here nor there. Poole, Peyton, Looney, not doing anything. Uh, Pool running around. I believe this is his first championship experience, and it's starting to show. Because again, during the playoffs, you can take them old long crazy shots, and once you get into a championship series, you have to be real definitive and defined and detailed about the shots you take. But you know what? All right, enough about this series, because I want to get to something that I really want to talk about, and that's the hiring of Darvin Ham with the Los Angeles Lakers. Because the Lakers are about to come back in this whole process, baby, and. it's about to
1: happen all over again. Your thoughts? Um, no, I mean, look, I um, I think a big part of this when it comes to a coach is how much power does that coach have, you know? And so I think the Lakers, I, I think, did a good job to sort of look inward and figure out, okay, wh- where did we not maybe give Frank Vogel the best opportunity to be successful? Um, so I think, you know, kind of allowing Darvin Ham to, to – you know, play a role, a crucial role in the personnel piece, um, that's huge. And um, I mean, a guy that's that's played in the league, played at the highest level. Um, this is a guy that has coached for a long time, so he's got good experience. Um, you know, it, it's funny. You predicted that Quinn Snyder would would probably be out with the Jazz, and you were 100% correct. I wonder if, you know, they they if they'd waited a little bit uh, uh, before hiring him, if they would have considered Snyder. But I, I like to hire a lot. Um, you know, find your guy, go get him and and give him the power to be successful. Um, And we'll see. Time will tell. We'll see. Well, you know what? I think Vogel did a great job while he was here. I think his mistake,
0: and I know he had some say-so, but to let them change his roster that drastically after winning a championship. And I know he had some say-so on that. He probably was trying to be a company man and saying, okay, I like that. I like, let's do that. And I think he shot himself in the foot with that one. But again, I think Darwin is definitely going to be uh his own coach. I think I love the fact that it came out that Kurt Rambis is not allowed to come in and to his coaching meetings and again, I don't think that that wasn't allowed when when um Volvo was there. I just think things had gotten so bad to where Kurt felt he had to be there. Yeah, good and, call. To make sure. And I don't think it was anything of being a snitch. I think that's his role for the team is to go in and see what's going on, what how guys are feeling. And, and Jerry used to do that to us all the time. Hey, how you guys doing? You know, except he would do it in his office. He'd call us up to his office. And, again, it wasn't about snitching. They truly cared about the players because uh, happy people make happy atmosphere, make, makes winning easy. So I think Darwin got half of that right. I think that he's going to be able to pick his own staff. I don't think he'll be saddled with, hey, you got to take this coach from this last coaching staff. I think he'll be able to do that. So the pieces are in line for him to be successful. I think his biggest problem, well, I don't call it a problem, but his biggest challenge is going to be getting – Uh, Westbrook on board I think LeBron and AD are going to be happy with what's going on because again I think they got a coach who just came off winning a championship last year who understands what winning a championship is about so they'll follow him Westbrook is going to be interesting to see how and where he will be able to fit into Ham's system and what type of system he's going to be running and I think the confidence and the communication of a great player uh, and a coach is going to have to have to be really, really on point for that to work w-
1: well. And something you and I have talked about with Russ, and I mean, it, it's, it's the essence of winning in the NBA, and it's been like that forever. Um, and you know this better than me, uh, but it's, it's about sacrifice, it's about deferring ego for the betterment of the team. I mean, uh, y- you can accumulate, I think in the NBA, this is more important than anything else. You can accumulate all the talent you want. If you don't have guys who are willing to sacrifice for the betterment of the team, it doesn't matter. And that was Ham brought that up in his press conference with Russ sitting there that, you know, he he talked with Russ and and he said, quote, the biggest word I think came out of those discussions was sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice whatever whatever we got to do. And it's not just Russ. It's going to be a sacrifice LeBron has to make that AD has to make on down the line of the rest of our roster. It's 100 percent correct. You know that better than anybody. And that's it. If if he's going to be successful with Lakers, it's about that. It's about getting a buy in on that from Russ and that's going to be big and you know what I I
0: like what I'm hearing already and I hear things that we can talk about on our next show but uh, another big piece is going to be for me with the Lakers is you got to get old out of there you got to get Reza, Mello I don't know how you're going to do it but you got to get young because you look and see the the ones that are raising their head in the west is the Memphis Grizzlies they're going to be a tough team to deal with next year and you got to have you got to have a happy medium. You can't bring in a lot of rookies to go against those guys, but you can't bring in a lot of old guys to play against them because usefulness shows in that Memphis team. The way them kids get up and down the court and they play long periods of time and the way they play their defense as well as the way they run their offense. You got to have some players that can compete with them out there. And yeah, LeBron and AD are still some some top-notch players, but they're older players. They're going to be, you know, you can't be running around after John Moran because, you know, when you 37, I believe that's what LeBron is. Them knees hurt after the first quarter. So you got to preserve them for the fourth. But the roster is going to be important. I love Gabriel. I love Reeves. I love THT. But you still got to get some usefulness in there. None. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, for they got from Miami and didn't play one game this year. And I think he's going to be a big key because if you can get him back healthy, I think he'll provide a little bit of uh, youthfulness his own. I would keep Howard, although he's getting up there, but you still need that big. So it's going to be interesting to see with that. And Ari, you know what? That's the name of this show today, okay? Because I know uh, I got to do some things. You got to do some things. Our podcast fans don't need to hear that. But that's the reality. And we're going to come back with another guy. I got
1: two. All right. Great. Yeah, we got to get some of your TBT guys on because you got, yeah, a, you got a roster of Kansas Jayhawks on your. And, on your and uh,
0: my big three guys. Yeah. we get getting ready to start the big three. We're big to three, not TBT. Sorry. Um, uh, June 18th. I got Michael Beasley. I got Mario Chalmers. I got uh, Julian Wright. I
1: got Brandon um, Rush.
0: Brandon Rush, I got uh, Alex Scale. We got a man. We locked and loaded this year. Now they really helped me, Cube, and, and our uh, our uh, GM and Clyde Drexler uh, to get me my team that I kind of wanted because I've been bitching and whining the last year. Or so, so they go here, Coop.
1: Here, see what you can do with this. I, hey, I'm gonna show you, man. We got a good team coming up. Yeah, you're gonna be out in Frisco out here in the Dallas area. You got three of my Jayhawks, two guys that won a national championship in 2008, Chalmers and Randon Rush, Julian Wright, who is a great player for KU. So yeah, I'm you know, as a KU grad, I'm pumped for you, man. When I saw the news about that team, I was like, is Three's company still your team? Because that's all Jayhawks. <laughs> That's okay. I'm a
0: lobo. I know how to handle a Jayhawk. Yeah. Done, which both of us are birds. The lobo is a uh well, it's a wolf, but the, the uh state bird is a thunderbird. So they kind of go together. But <laughs> all right, that's our show, baby. Another episode of Showtime with Coop in the Bag. Uh I'm glad to be back. I took a little time off, man. A lot of things are going on. My son is being recruited and I'm kind of doing that in high school basketball. Awesome just a lot going on but i love it i love this show ari i love you boy and everything even though you're a jay hawk and are you Dallas brother maverick person uh take care of your business man we'll see you guys on the next episode of showtime with and insightful bs